today's conversation is all about community. If you follow me on TikTok, you know I love talking about community, especially when it comes to how brands can build community and how they can leverage it for more loyalty and engagement among their customers. So because of that, I wanted to bring on somebody who's been thinking about this for far longer than I have, which is why I invited Kim Johnson, who is the head of community at Geneva. And prior to that, she used to be at Glossier. She used to lead community there. And she was actually at Glossier since 2013 when it hadn't even launched yet. She was at Into the Gloss and then stayed until 2020 when she left Glossier. So she has been at the consumer brand that is often synonymous with building community. So I was really excited to talk to her and get a chance to ask her questions like, what even is community? How should we define it? Uh, How do you build community? What are some best practices that you've seen? How do you measure it? How do you cultivate engagement? All that good stuff. So I found this conversation incredibly insightful. I hope you do too. If you do, please share it with a friend and let me know what you think. Without further ado, the conversation with Kim Johnson. We're here today with Kim Johnson. She's the head of community at Geneva. It's a community platform that I personally love. Kim and I got connected during the pandemic when I was still full-time working on Make Lane. I just loved her insights. I loved learning more about her journey, so I wanted to share that more with you guys here today. We're going to dive into all things community. What does it mean? How do you actually do it and build it effectively? So we're going to get into all of that today. So Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I was just saying to Dalma before we started recording that I feel like she's like the moment. So I'm like very excited for this and grateful to be joining. Let's start with how you actually got to this point of being head of community at Geneva. I know you were helping with community at different brands prior. So walk us through that journey of your career so far. Yeah, definitely a bit of an accidental way into the space. But I started doing community at Glossier in 2015, basically like right around when the brand launched. And at the time, we didn't have anyone else leading community before. So it was really like completely blank space. And also at the time, there weren't a lot of community managers at brands like Glossier. I mean, there were social managers or I had friends who were doing influencer stuff, but it was really a time of figuring out like what does community mean for this brand. And so it was really fun. Like we started the community Slack in 2015. We hosted our first events and eventually started our rep program, which was Glossier's ambassador program for many years. And it was really trial and error. I did a whole range of things, but the meat of the work was building the relationships with and amongst our people. And that meant everything from IRL events to involving our community in product, truly anything in that realm. And then in 2019, I got connected to the very early team who was starting to build Geneva. No name, no product yet, but they were like, we kind of just want to build something that does what you guys did with Slack, but for other communities. And I was like, that's a great idea. Good luck. And I took a while just to figure out what I wanted. And eventually in 2020, just stayed connected with the team because I loved the team and the vision. And in 2020, I was like, you know what? I love the idea for this company. I love what they're building and I love the people. I'm just going to hop over and join. So hopped over in 2020 and we were pre-launch at the time. So we were really like super small hand kind of onboarding communities, which I still do, honestly, but helping people get on. And so now it's been about two and some change years and it's really fun. I always say to people like, My journey went from like building and cultivating this one amazing, beautiful, diverse, growing community 
in my former job. And now I get to see and take part in and honestly just be a bystander for like hundreds of incredible communities across brands and creators and local communities and just support their journeys and how they use Geneva. So it's been a really fun experience so far. Can I just say you're a great picker because you joined Glossier pretty early on, right? 2015. And then Geneva, now a lot of people have heard of it. I feel like it's very well respected as a company in tech, but you joined when it was really small. You started talking to them before they were really known at all. And so I feel like there's probably a future inventor for you. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the first time I've heard that. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten lucky with my picks, honestly. You know what it is? And I say this to people all the time, especially if I'm talking to someone who's like a young woman and she's like early in her career. I'm like, go to the things that you love and like work on the things that you really believe in, because then you get to like help bring that stuff to fruition. And it's hard, but it's like beautiful if it works. So I think I've just been really lucky. But yeah, so far, it's been really fun and exciting. So I want to unpack further the difference between what leading community entailed at Glossier versus now at Geneva. Yeah, it's a great question. So it evolved, to your point. There wasn't really a playbook for community when I started at, at Glossier. And initially, it was like hosting events. I was truly just like involving our community in whatever projects I could. So our design team would be working on like a new landing page on the website. I'd be like, oh, wait, let me get some people free. It was like boots on the ground like that. And then ultimately, I started our rep program in 2016 which was Glossier's ambassador program. And really at the time people were like, oh, it's like a digital Avon. <laughs> like people didn't have a comparison point for that. But it became so popular because of the fact that it was literally like we had people who were YouTube creators who, you know, had 400,000 subscribers. And we had people who were just huge Glossier super fans who'd been a part of the brand and a part of the community for years who had 400 followers on Instagram all a part of the same program and experience. And that grew really quickly, not just in terms of the members of the program, because actually we only got up to around like maybe 4,000 members, which I think today for an ambassador program, it can be relatively small. But the impact that those, the reps like really had on the brand and just the love and passion that came out of that was so huge. So that became a huge part of my day to day over several years. And as well, Whenever we would launch the brand in new markets or host pop-ups, I would always go and do like community building with folks in those cities. So that was the evolution of the work there. I also worked on a little bit as a side project on the, what I think is like now kind of infamous digital product for Glossier, the community product that they were building. But that was a lot of the work there. And then as I came to Geneva, it was honestly, again, like building a role from scratch. A lot of my work here is all about supporting our communities and what they're building. I spend almost all day like talking to people, which is my favorite thing. So it's, it works really well for me, but supporting existing communities, making sure they have what they need, supporting new communities that are coming onto the app and are like, I just need personal connection or help getting started, partnerships, everything in that kind of all the people things I work on. There's so much glossy discourse and I've contributed my fair share to it Mm -hmm. on TikTok, especially. Yeah. And I'm guessing that sometimes you see some of it and you're like, that's not really the right take. They don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm curious Mm -hmm. about if there's anything you feel comfortable sharing, if there's Mm -hmm. some common misconceptions about Glossier in this sort of analysis and discourse that happens, including about mine. I'm fair game. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think at the highest level, the thing I'll just share is that I will just say I had a very different experience from a lot of people because I actually I joined in 2013. I joined when it was just into the gloss. Wow. And I was like employee number three. So by nature of that, I think my perspective is very different and skewed from folks who joined later on. But I would generally say like, one of the things that I truly believe is that like Glossy was truly like a people first brand as it was early built. The kind of community and the people forward nature of how the brand was started was like truly ingrained in every piece of how both from a leadership perspective and from our core working team, like how we thought about what we wanted to build. I think that is like a huge thing that now can get a little bit misconstrued. But yeah, I would say that. And I think everyone has a different experience. I had an amazing experience there. It was really formative for me. And one of the things that I think really is was key for my own professional growth was how much like young people early on at the company like really built a lot of what what the company became it was so democratized in that way when we first started building for me it's there's definitely things that I see that I'm like I don't know but every experience is different yeah it's a very um, thoughtful answer and it's a very conscientious answer going back to this idea of building community in a consumer brand. So yeah. like you said, you, there was no blueprint for doing that when you were at Glossier building that role and building community. What would you advise a brand, a consumer brand especially, that wants to build community and wants to have that people-first ethos at the core of their DNA? Yeah, it's a great question. I actually talk to brands about this a lot. I think there are a couple of things that feel often counterintuitive to what people think and sometimes not exactly what brands want to hear. But the first thing that I say all the time is starting small is the most important thing that you can do. I think a lot of times because community and audience get so conflated with each other, there's this idea from day one that I'm building a community. How do I scale it is really the first question. How do I get it to as many people as possible? And what I often say is if that's your first goal, you're going to have a really hard time building a community. The beauty of building a community around a brand or whatever the topic might be is you start with your people, right? And you build something that not only you grow, but your people grow with you. And you know, when I first started the Slack at Glossier, it was 30 people and ended with tens of thousands. But part of the reason for that was not just because we were inviting like top customers or super fans, but because the members were such kind of stakeholders of the community and loved the community so much that they're inviting their friends. And it becomes a space that in a lot of ways, I think, especially for a brand, like if you're doing it right, it pulls you, you don't push it. Your members are really like guiding how it grows, how it evolves and how it takes shape. So I think that's really important. A lot of times we want to get really structured about this is what the conversation will be. And you only talk about our brand. But if your members can't connect in multiple different ways, they're going to have a hard time wanting to come back to that space. And then the other thing that I, I always talk about is just the importance of rituals, which is not a new concept in community. Definitely a lot of like community thought leaders talk about this all the time. But there is such an importance in like consistency for community, right? It is literally a microcosm of the communities that we exist in the world. And so it needs its own culture. It needs its own rituals. And so I think that one of the things that for brands, especially you have to remember and get comfortable with is what are the things that keep our members coming back? Sometimes those can be things like weekly roundtables. They can be Q&As, behind the scenes stuff, whatever feels right for you. But creating those rituals and really sticking to them is what 
creates a sense of trust in the community and makes people want to come back, which I think is key. Those two things. And then I would say starting small and like watering and growing over time. Again, like even if you have a community of 30 people as opposed to 30,000 people, like you have such a stronger community. If that group of people is pulling you in a direction, when I say that, I just mean like really engaged and almost trying to drive for you where the community goes. That's a community that like will have staying power for those members that will grow with those members. And that's the stuff of value, really. It's almost like you're co-creating with the community and really inviting them to participate in shaping it. Totally. It's a group. It's important that your members are stakeholders in the space and that you create that kind of connection with people instead of a one-to-many conversation. It is a many-to-many conversation. I can attest to that from my very limited experience running a much smaller community than probably a lot of communities that you've seen. But with my community of about 2,000 women D2C founders, when it was at the peak of its sort of engagement, I was when I was really involved with it, I attribute the success of that community to the fact that from day one, even when we were 20 people, every time somebody joined, I would DM them, ask them to get on a call with me or meet for coffee in LA. Totally. And I would ask them to tell me basically their life story and why they started their business and what they need. And then I totally. would go out and try to find those resources for them. And then I would even try to make take mental notes. And eventually I created an actual spreadsheet of what everybody needed, what they worked on, what their expertise was. So I could start to make introductions before that organically started to take hold as behavior in the community. And one interesting thing that I noticed about that is usually the person that I talked to afterwards would become way more involved in the community because they saw that there was somebody who really cared, that it wasn't just at the time this was a Facebook group and that was the thing back then, but (laughs) they saw that it wasn't just another group. They saw that, oh, this person really cares and she's really trying to make this a thing. So I feel more invested in this now. So I really do feel like it was a very Paul Graham, do things that don't scale. But in the beginning, you really do need to just do that to glue everything together. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. I think that was actually going to be another thing that I was going to add, which is that once you have built the space, building your subgroups within the community connections are so important because especially as a community is growing, once you get to 2000 people, a thousand people, even a couple hundred people, those lines between each member get a little bit thinner, right? So you have to create those smaller groups within the community that have an even deeper layer or level of connection, whether that be the industry that they're in or where they live or things like that, which are definitely essential. I'm really Mm. curious about how you, maybe if you don't have a solid definition, how you, one of the ways you define community, different definitions floating around, because sometimes I see people use the term community when what they really mean is loyalty among their customer base. You know what I mean? And they're not necessarily the same thing. Or maybe they are. Maybe we could expand the definition. But when I think community, I think there are lateral connections between the members. And I think the thing that sometimes is missing, but people use the term anyway. So what do you think it means? I think it means everything and nothing at this point. But I go to the most straightforward definition. A group of people, common interest, experience, connection, who are all coming together around that interest, experience, connection, whatever. I go to that most simple definition because I think it is like the most true, right? It's the most true of every kind of community we've seen, right? Community isn't just online, didn't originate online. And I think a lot of times people conflate community with their audience or their customers. But to your point, Dolma, like unless those people are connecting with each other around that shared interest, it's most likely not a community. I think we tend to use the word to refer to like people at large, but really there has to be some connecting thread. And I think what's really essential about community is that 
you as the creator and your members have to know what that connecting thread is and why they're all there together. And I actually think that's really key in terms of creating a community where people feel stakeholdership and they also feel the connection with other people there. Are there any examples of brands today that do community well, in your opinion? Yes. Yeah, I think there are a couple. I've talked about them before. I think you know Nadia and the August team. They're a Gen Z founded and led period care brand. They have an incredible community. It's called The Inner Cycle. They actually started their community on Geneva before they launched the brand, about six months before they launched the brand, as a space to just facilitate conversation amongst young people who menstruate. And so from day one, the community was so authentic, organic. Members were inviting friends. That's how they grew. And then they layered in the brand experience, co-creating products, messaging. But to this day, they have events all the time, events that are hosted by the team, events that are hosted by members. They've created a real culture in the space, even to like the smallest degrees. Like one of the things that they do that I think is unique is there's a little red drop emoji in the app and members will use that if they're like on their period next to their name. But just those little like things that they imbue in the community that create such a culture. And it's really cool to see like they have such an engaged membership of just like young people who I think a lot of times even are learning about the products for the first time through the community. So that's one that I think does an amazing job. When you point out that example, and I've actually seen their community, I've been in it. I agree. It's amazing. One of the things that I noticed that they do well is the community is not this farm for you to harvest, to turn into customers immediately. It's this own standalone thing where the intention is simply to provide that container for connection and discourse. And it's not just you tacking it on as a marketing strategy. It's literally you are trying to create a great community experience. And I feel like that is sometimes part of the equation that's missing for people. And obviously it's part of the ecosystem of their marketing, but the intent to create this genuine container for connection, I feel like comes across. And from what I see, sometimes brands are so impatient to get the ROI of that community out that they actually just fumble the bag and it's not a useful community at all. Totally. It's communities like a long, it doesn't have to be a long game, but I think if you're a brand going into community, you need to expect it to be a long game and to not be something that is going to, to your point, provide immediate ROI, honestly. When I was at Glossier, when we first started doing community stuff, I had no targets. Like We were like, we don't know what this is. We're just going to play with it, figure it out, do it authentically. But I think that's exactly how community should start at brands. I think that to your point, the beautiful thing about the inner cycle is that it isn't about the brand. The brand is the facilitator of the community, but they're not the focus. And that's how I think for brands, you have to be comfortable, the direction you have to be comfortable going. And then the other thing I would say, which I think is maybe a bit of a hot take, but I don't think every brand needs a community. I think we are like, in some ways, like over community in that sense. Sometimes you just buy your products, you buy your products, you like them, and then you go about your day. I've talked to brands and I'm like, oh no, you guys. I'm like, for, for gloves? If you're going to do it, if you're going to spend the resources on it, do it with intent. Do it because you truly like believe that it is a core piece of the world that you're building around your brand. If you're not sure how it fits in or you're trying to grasp for what community would mean for your brand or what value would bring, 
honestly, it probably is a sign that it's not the time. And you might want to focus that energy elsewhere. Don't force it Yeah, just because it seems like the thing to do. That makes yeah. sense. It's funny. Being someone, now I've worked in this space for, I guess, eight years or something like that. And once you see a lot and you like try a lot of stuff, especially with community, you realize how simple it is and how basic it is because at the end of the day, this is about humans. <laughs> it truly is like building community is all about people. Yeah. Don't force it. Don't rush it. And it truly is like a garden. You just have to water it. And when in doubt, put yourself in the shoes of the customer or of the community exactly. member and ask yourself, what would you want? Like what kind of experience exactly. are you looking for? I think the point that you made earlier about getting on a call or a coffee with every member of your community is so crucial as well. A lot of times we think that like you put a bunch of people in a group or in a room and they'll just make their connections their own way. And that is already not true, but I think also increasingly not true as we're like in such a online all the time world. And it is so important, especially when you're early stage building with your first several people to really build those relationships, understand what they want and need and how the community can serve them, right? If you're building the community just to serve your first 20 people, that is perfect. That's so good. And I feel like that applies to so many things. I'm often refining my mental models for how to be a better creator, how to mm. create good content, how to serve people. And sometimes I just have to come back to okay, let me just think about my most loyal followers. Let me just create this for them. And more often than not, that is exactly what is needed. So I feel like that is a very universal principle. Totally. I really think that is like the core of, especially just creating spaces and stuff online. I'm all about niche right now. Let's be niche as hell. (laughs) Are you guys going to come out with merch that says niche AF? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I might actually bring that to Lauren, our head of brand. She's going to be like, girl. I have other things to deal with. Am I correct in saying that one of the co-founders of Geneva was also the co-founder of, I want to say, not Recess? Yeah, yeah. Am I right? Okay. Yeah. So that explains a lot because I do feel like Geneva is so well-designed and you're not going to say it. I'm going to say it so much better than Discord or Slack. <laughs> and, um, and it does feel like it was designed from the ground up for it's simple. It's intuitive. It's easy to use. I sound like I'm doing this plug. I'm not going to Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love a good product design. Do you see a lot of other brands using Geneva and how do you see them using Geneva? Because to your point about not every brand needs a community, I think even the ones who could be creating community, I think sometimes there's this question of, do we create it around the brand and just bring in our most loyal customers? Or do we create it around this whole separate thing like InterCycle and give it a different name and have it be around something kind of adjacent. So how do you see that play out? What do you recommend? Yeah, great question. Also, shout out to our design team. They're insane. They're so good. It's like nuts. But yeah, I generally bucket brand communities into two things. I see the inner cycle style where you're really creating a community around this like broader topic or interest that the brand takes part in. But the community is for all who experience that or who are interested in that, which is one way to go. It's a really great way if you want to have an open, accessible community. And then, of course, the other bucket is more like closed private community for your ambassadors or we've had a range of different things. We've had ambassador communities or like top customer like co-creation communities. I would say those are usually the two buckets. We've also seen some really cool stuff that I think will actually start to happen more and more in the next year where brands will create these communities for a moment in time. So 
Gia did like a dryish January home just for January. That was all about just like bringing the people who were taking part in that in their broader world together again through the brand, but not totally about it. When it comes to your brand and what makes sense for you, it really depends. I think for the second group where it's those closed private spaces, it's interesting because Geneva really just acts as like a many to many messaging app for those folks, right? Where it's all about sharing information, connecting members with each other if they're in the same area, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas for the larger communities that are more open or more public, it really can be not just a space to engage those members, but also introduce people who've never actually experienced the brand or the products before to the brand for the first time. And so it really depends on every company's like intention and goals. I do think that it is most important before you start a community to ask yourself what the value is for you. I think philosophically, there's like a lot of, I don't know, I feel like there's this like negative connotation when brands talk about what the value of community is for them. It's either you have ROI or you're like, oh, we just have a community out of love. It can actually be in between those two things. I actually think the best goals for community sit in between those two things where you're not necessarily attributing your value to size or things like that, but rather what does bringing all those people together under one roof what can it do for what you're building, right? So if you're saying next year we're launching like an entirely new category of products and that would be incredible to have member or customer engagement or insight into, that's a beautiful reason to create a community. You might not need it forever, right? It might be something that you say, let's do it for three months or eight months or a year. But I think having that intention, having that clarity of what are we bringing people together for and what value does it bring us? What value does it bring them? is really essential. If you can answer those two questions well, usually building a community flows right out of that. And it becomes really clear and easy to understand what are the spaces, what are the events and all of that. It might be hard to answer this question because to your point, there are so many different ways you can design a community, so many different objectives you can have. But what are some KPIs or metrics of success that you see being commonly used yeah. So I see, of course, engagement, I think whether it's like weekly engagement, daily, monthly, that really depends on the community itself. I think that the things that I've seen communities use, I, going back to that point about rituals, if you have one to two or three rituals that you do monthly within your community, I see a lot of communities will really like use those rituals as the guiding print light for how engaged are people, right? So if you have a brand community that's all about co-creation and you do a co-creation session every other week or once a month, that is your hero moment to know how much value you're getting out of this space. And that's why it's so important to have that clarity of what the value is for you and for the members, because you build those rituals around those moments. And then those rituals are the things that you can see, are people engaging with them? Are they not? Are they working? Are they not? So honestly, I would say that's probably one of the one of the top. And then the other one is if you're a more open public community is if people are inviting friends. We've definitely seen and I've done in the past trialing around invite five friends or invite two friends or just have your friend who's most interested in this topic. Right. And members are inviting people in their lives to join your community. You've definitely built something that has value. And so seeing how people organically do that or how they do that when prompted, whichever the case, is also a really good way to understand how much value your community has. I remember when I was running Make Lane, our community for Make Lane, 
people would bring in friends to the point where sometimes the people they were inviting were not the right fit. So Dude. I'd be like, oh man, like, oh, this is so painful. I don't know what to do. Dude, I know, but it's it's better to be able to say like, this person is not a fit for my community than just say our community's for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. That is so important to be able to say, this is what we do here. And so this is the kind of person that the space makes sense for and that we're building this space for. And it's not meant to be exclusive, but rather a community has to have that tying thread. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's actually really important and a sign of having a community that has real value and purpose. Especially for communities that are built for people who typically feel like they are excluded from the narrative or you have to have your own space. Totally. A thousand percent. Yeah. I used to have the same thing early on at Glossier where people would be like, I really want to invite my friend. I'd be like, oh my God, wait. But it ended up being such like a beauty lover community that we just had a ton of beauty obsessive people in that space talking all the time about products, which was really fun. It's funny. Like when we were doing that, I remember (laughs) it's so wild to say because people were sharing so many product recommendations in the group. I would get DMs from girls being like, I have to leave the group this month because I've been spending too much money on products that everyone is recommending. And it would get to the point where there was one person in the group who was an accountant and she would send her like budget for people because they were all like, <laughs> just like sharing so many products all the time with each other. And I just got to be like, honestly, a fly on the wall for it. It was <laughs> such a wild time. It was really fun. That's so funny. And that does, that is a testament to the foundational idea that Glossier was based on, which is that beauty is a conduit for connection. And it's so cool now because now I get to see a lot of beauty communities on Geneva, some that are brands, but some that are just started by beauty lovers who are like talking about stuff all the time. Some by makeup artists who are teaching people how to do makeup, like a total range. And it's really cool to see how it just brings up so many different things in people's lives. Do you see creators creating communities on Geneva? And how do you see that done well? And what advice would you give me? Yeah. Creator communities are actually probably our biggest group of community. Yeah, we have a lot of creator-started, creator-led communities on Geneva. In terms of what to do, okay, where to start? I think (laughs) one of the things I see a lot, I see with creators more than any other kind cohort of communities is exactly what you described, which is that it's usually one person who is doing a thousand things and is like, how do I manage this new, in a lot of ways, like channel or space in addition to all the other stuff I have going on? And I think One of the biggest things that can be really valuable for creators is having like, we've seen it called different things, your like community board or your community moderators is like the most straightforward and boring version of what I'm talking about. (laughs) Your core people in the community who are like, I need this space. I love this space and I want to help facilitate it and really empowering those members to drive conversation, welcome new members is really clutch because to your point, when you're one person and you've got a thousand things, it can be really hard, especially early on. Like communities need so much watering early on in order to create the vibe, create the culture, set the tone and distributing ownership with more members who you trust to be that welcome committee or post about events or drive conversation is a really great way to continue to build the feeling and set the tone without feeling like it's just on you. And also the members get so much from it. I truly think that like communities where members have kind of leadership roles for lack of a better term, as opposed to just like the creator or the brand end up being so much more engaging because 
those members feel so much more accountability and like stakeholdership. And then other members see what it's like to be a member, like an active member in the community, right? It's not just Dolma who's leading conversation. It's Dolma and these five other people. And so I think that does a lot. So that's one suggestion I would have. And then the second is I think about this a lot for creators. I don't know how you guys do it, honestly, because being always on in that way is like way too much for me. (laughs) And I like really admire it about creators. And I think when you create a community and you're a creator and so you're not like, this is when I turn on, this is when I turn off, like someone at a brand might be, you can feel like a lot of weight because you're like, oh, I need to be here all the time. I need to, I'm so accountable to these people into this space. And that can be a lot of pressure, I think. So I think actually creating like subspaces within the community where you can carve out, okay, this is where I show up and when I show up. And this is where the community drives the conversation. So I have this makeup artist, her name is Kellyanne, and she has a community on Geneva. And she has KA's Hub, which is where she like will do live sessions weekly and she'll share certain things and all of that. And then there's the more casual chat spaces that really members know are member first, right? And that they can really drive conversation in. And so she creates this dynamic where members know, okay, here's how she shows up and where she shows up. And this is the space for us. And of course, she'll hop into those more casual spaces too. But creating a little bit of that balance, I think is really valuable. Just take some of the weight off and then it allows those casual spaces to actually feel casual for you (laughs) as a creator, if that makes sense. And can also give you a little bit of structure when it comes to, okay, I'm going to do a weekly live session or I'm going to do a monthly broadcast or whatever fits for you. But give yourself a little structure, I think is, Mm -hmm. is always helpful. I'm taking mental notes here. That's really good. That's so interesting. That's the biggest sort of category that you see on Geneva. Mm -hmm. What are some other ones? So you have creators who have creator communities, you have brands. What other kind of communities are there? Yeah, we have such a range. Like it's nuts. We have NFT communities. We have a lot of like music fandoms. Like we have like Swifties in Texas. I bet you do. (laughs) We have a whole Taylor Swift situation going on in Geneva (laughs) and a whole Harry Styles situation going on and a lot of K-pop as well. I'm obsessed with those. I think they're so fun. And I think that like that kind of stuff is just so the future of like online is like going back to web 1.0. But so we have a, a lot of those kinds of groups. And then really interestingly, what we've seen in the past, like probably six months that I think is probably going to blow up this year, honestly, are a lot of what we're calling like local communities. And basically what that means is it's a lot of communities that are centered around interest, but in a specific area. So we have like Muslim girls in NYC, we have Chicago Craft Club, we have Dallas Thrifters, Dallas Cocktail Queens, London Town Girlies. And those communities for whatever reason, grow so fast. I think I actually know the reason. And I think it's because we're in this time right now. We're all like chronically online, but everyone wants to do stuff in person and meet new friends in their city or meet people in their area who are interested in the same stuff that they're interested in and do that stuff in real life. And so what we're seeing is a lot of communities that are all about coming together online, meeting each other online to go and meet up offline and whether they're having picnics or they're having crafting sessions or going to concerts together. It's really cool to see. And I think that's actually going to be a category of communities that will blow up this year. I love that. That's also so wholesome. And also even the Taylor Swift, Harry Harry Styles stuff. 
The thing that I love about community and what you guys are facilitating is that the internet can be such a cesspool that's just terrible. But when you have a more curated community and there are implicit or explicit rules around how you get to connect with each other, then you can have the best of the internet in one space. And it can be so rewarding in a way that like a random, just like being out there just on Twitter just doesn't (laughs) really (laughs) let you do. (laughs) A thousand percent. And I think as well, like everyone's like looking to find their people in a lot of ways. And what's really cool about those kinds of local communities is that they are not so top down, like brand communities or creator communities can tend to be where, oh, this person or this entity is really like the leader. They often end up being very democratized. They often end up having groups of people who run the space, but members take on a lot of just, I'm having this event, right? Members will host their own events and things like that. And that's really beautiful to see. And I think that kind of like democratization of like spaces on the internet is something that I think a lot of people are also craving right now. And it'll be really cool to see how those evolve and how they continue to take shape. Do you think having some sort of offline component, even for brands or communities that are primarily meant to be virtual is valuable? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that communities should always be somewhat online and offline. But I think that's really hard to say in today's world because you can have members who are literally all over the world and that's really hard then to facilitate. But I think that what a lot of that offline can end up looking, especially for really global communities, is powering your members to get together in person. Maybe you have 20 people in LA and you're in Mexico City, whatever, And like power those people in LA to get together IRL. And honestly, if you're making those connections, like we were talking about earlier, they're probably going to want to do it on their own anyways. And so I do think it's something to strive for. And I think maybe it's something to strive for in the sense that best possible version of that is that your members take it upon themselves to, to do it. I think that's the like ultimate goal, the ultimate sign that you've built something that like people are really bringing into their real lives. So as we wrap up, I'd love to know what advice would you give anyone looking to start a community in 2023 if we haven't covered anything? And also one thing that you're looking forward to. Advice I would give that we haven't spoken to yet. I think, yeah, I'll just reiterate a couple of things from earlier, but like starting small, creating rituals, taking your time are key. And also like defining your why also very key and bring your members with you in terms of ownership, make them stakeholders for the people who are the most excited or the most engaged, give them the tools and the power to make decisions in the community to drive the community forward is essential. In terms of what I'm looking forward to, honestly, I am just so excited about like these like local communities. I feel like I talk about them to everyone in my life like all the time. It's like nutty. But I'm so excited about them because it's just these are communities that are often like driven by young people who are moving to new cities after graduating college and are like, I really, one of them, London Town Girlies, is a community started by a TikToker who was from Australia who posted on TikTok and was like, I'm moving to London and I have no friends. And all of these women commented and were like, same, I just moved here or whatever. She started the group. It's like 10,000 or so people. It is like people are talking about needs a roommate, restaurant recommendations, job stuff, visas. And it's like incredible to see. And I just think that it's so the future. And so I'm just really excited for us to support 
those communities and all of the incredible kinds of groups that are building with us and building on Geneva. But yeah, I would say that's what I'm excited about. That's really beautiful. Yeah. That makes me want to start looking for communities, although right now I'm nomadic. So it's like <laughs> plug into one. Dude, I know but- we need like a nomad one. <laughs> Wait, that's Okay, you're giving me ideas, but don't give yeah. me ideas because I have too many ideas <laughs> and like, I can't. <laughs> I have one community to worry about. This was so informative. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge, your wisdom, and for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I love everything that you're doing. So I can't wait to see all of the due diligence things flourish. <laughs> and yeah, I'm excited, excited for you. Thank you.